Chapter 13. The Abolition of Force. In the Newtonian system, bodies under the action of no forces move in straight lines with uniform velocity. When bodies do not move in this way, their change of motion is ascribed to a force. Some forces seem intelligible to our imagination, those exerted by a rope or a string, by bodies colliding, or by any kind of obvious pushing or pulling. As explained in an earlier chapter, our apparent imaginative understanding of these processes is quite fallacious. All that it really means is that past experience enables us to foresee, more or less, what is going to happen without the need of mathematical calculations. But the forces involved in gravitation and in the less familiar forms of electrical action do not seem in this way natural to our imagination it seems odd that the earth can float in the void the natural thing is to suppose that it must fall that is why it has to be supported on an elephant and the elephant on a tortoise according to some early speculators the newtonian theory in addition to action at a distance introduced two other imaginative novelties the first was that gravitation is not always and essentially directed what we should call downwards i e towards the centre of the earth the second was that a body going round and round in a circle with uniform velocity is not moving uniformly in the sense in which that phrase is applied to the motion of bodies under no forces but is perpetually being turned out of the straight course towards the centre of the circle which requires a force pulling it in that direction hence newton arrived at the view that the planets are attracted to the sun by a force which is called gravitation this whole point of view as we have seen is superseded by relativity there are no longer such things as straight lines in the old geometrical sense there are straightest lines or geodesics but these involve time as well as space a light ray passing through the solar system does not describe the same orbit as a comet from a geometrical point of view nevertheless each moves in a geodesic the whole imaginative picture is changed a poet might say that water runs downhill because it is attracted to the sea but a physicist or an ordinary mortal would say that it moves as it does at each point because of the nature of the ground at that point without regard to what lies ahead of it just as the sea does not cause the water to run towards it so the sun does not cause the planets to move round it the planets move round the sun because that is the easiest thing to do in the technical sense of least action it is the easiest thing to do because of the nature of the region in which they are not because of an influence emanating from the sun the supposed necessity of attributing gravitation to a force attracting the planets towards the sun has arisen from the determination to preserve euclidean geometry at all costs if we suppose that our space is euclidean when in fact it is not we shall have to call in physics to rectify the errors of our geometry we shall find bodies not moving in what we insist upon regarding as straight lines and we shall demand a cause for this behaviour eddington has stated this matter with admirable lucidity he supposes a physicist who has assumed the formula for interval which is used in the special theory of relativity a formula which still supposes that the observer's space is euclidean he continues 
since intervals can be compared by experimental methods he ought soon to discover that his formula for the interval cannot be reconciled with observational results and so realize his mistake but the mind does not so readily get rid of an obsession it is more likely that our observer will continue in his opinion and attribute the discrepancy of the observations to some influence which is present and affects the behaviour of his test bodies he will so to speak introduce a supernatural agency which he can blame for the consequences of his mistake the name given to any agency which causes deviation from uniform motion in a straight line is force according to the newtonian definition of force hence the agency invoked through our observer's mistake is described as a field of force a field of force represents the discrepancy between the natural geometry of a coordinate system and the abstract geometry arbitrarily ascribed to it if people were to learn to conceive the world in a new way without the old notion of force it would alter not only their physical imagination but probably also their morals and politics the latter effect would be quite illogical but is none the less probable on that account in newton's theory of the solar system the sun seems like a monarch whose behests the planets have to obey in einstein's world there is more individualism and less government than in newton's there is also far less hustle we have seen that laziness is the fundamental law of einstein's universe the word dynamic has come to mean in newspaper language energetic and forceful but if it meant illustrating the principles of dynamics it ought to be applied to the people in hot climates who sit under banana trees waiting for the fruit to drop into their mouths i hope that journalists in future when they speak of a dynamic personality will mean a person who does what is least trouble at the moment without thinking of remote consequences if i can contribute to this result i shall not have written in vain it has been customary for people to draw arguments from the laws of nature as to what we ought to do such arguments seem to me a mistake to imitate nature may be merely slavish but if nature as portrayed by einstein is to be our model it would seem that the anarchists will have the best of the argument the physical universe is orderly not because there is a central government but because everybody minds its own business no two particles of matter ever come into contact when they get too close they both move off if a man were had up for knocking another man down he would be scientifically correct in pleading that he had never touched him what happened was that there was a hill in space-time in the region of the other man's nose and it fell down the hill the abolition of force seems to be connected with the substitution of sight for touch as the source of physical ideas as explained in chapter one when an image in a looking-glass moves we do not think that something has pushed it in places where there are two large mirrors opposite to each other you may see innumerable reflections of the same object suppose a gentleman in a top hat is standing between the mirrors there may be twenty or thirty top hats in the reflections suppose now somebody comes and knocks off the gentleman's hat with a stick all the other twenty or thirty top hats will tumble down at the same moment we think that force is needed to knock off the real top hat but we think that the remaining twenty or thirty tumble off so to speak of themselves or out of a mere passion for imitation 
let us try to think out this matter a little more seriously obviously something happens when an image in a looking-glass moves from the point of view of sight the event seems just as real as if it were not in a mirror but nothing has happened from the point of view of touch or hearing when the real top hat falls it makes a noise the twenty or thirty reflections fall without a sound if it falls on your toe you feel it but we believe that the twenty or thirty people in the mirrors feel nothing though top hats fall on their toes too but all this is equally true of the astronomical world it makes no noise because sound cannot travel across a vacuum so far as we know it causes no feelings because there is no one on the spot to feel it the astronomical world therefore seems hardly more real or solid than the world in the looking-glass and has just as little need of force to make it move the reader may feel that i am indulging in idle sophistry after all he may say the image in the mirror is the reflection of something solid and the top hat in the mirror only falls off because of the force applied to the real top hat the top hat in the mirror cannot indulge in behavior of its own it has to copy the real one this shows how different the image is from the sun and the planets because they are not obliged to be perpetually imitating a prototype so you had better give up pretending that an image is just as real as one of the heavenly bodies there is of course some truth in this the point is to discover exactly what truth in the first place images are not imaginary when you see an image certain perfectly real light waves reach your eye and if you hang a cloth over the mirror these light waves cease to exist there is however a purely optical difference between an image and a real thing the optical difference is bound up with this question of imitation when you hang a cloth over the mirror it makes no difference to the real object but when you move the real object away the image vanishes also this makes us say that the light rays which make the image are only reflected at the surface of the mirror and do not really come from a point behind it but from the real object we have here an example of a general principle of great importance most of the events in the world are not isolated occurrences but members of groups of more or less similar events which are such that each group is connected in an assignable manner with a certain small region of space-time this is the case with the light-rays which make us see both the object and its reflection in the mirror they all emanate from the object as a centre if you put an opaque globe round the object at a certain distance the object and its reflection are invisible at any point outside the globe we have seen that gravitation although no longer regarded as an action at a distance is still connected with a centre there is so to speak a hill symmetrically arranged about its summit and the summit is the place where we conceive the body to be which is connected with the gravitational field we are considering for simplicity common sense lumps together all the events which form one group in the above sense when two people see the same object two different events occur but they are events belonging to one group and connected with the same centre just the same applies when two people as we say hear the same noise and so the reflection in a mirror is less real than the object reflected even from an optical point of view because light-rays do not spread in all directions from the place where the image seems to be but only in directions in front of the mirror and only so long as the object reflected remains in position 
this illustrates the usefulness of grouping connective events about a centre in the way we have been considering when we examine the changes in such a group of objects we find that they are of two kinds there are those which affect only some member of the group and those which make connected alterations in all the members of the group if you put a candle in front of a mirror and then hang black cloth over the mirror you alter only the reflection of the candle as seen from various places if you shut your eyes you alter its appearance to you but not its appearance elsewhere if you put a red globe round it at a distance of a foot you alter its appearance at any distance greater than a foot but not at any distance less than a foot in all these cases you do not regard the candle itself as having changed in fact in all of them you find that there are groups of changes connected with a different centre or with a number of different centres when you shut your eyes for instance your eyes not the candle look different to any other observer the centre of the changes that occur is in your eyes but when you blow out the candle its appearance everywhere is changed in this case you say that the changes happen to the candle the changes that happen to an object are those that affect the whole group of events which centre about the object all this is only an interpretation of common sense and an attempt to explain what we mean by saying that the image of the candle in the mirror is less real than the candle there is no connected group of events situated all round the place where the image seems to be and changes in the image centre about the candle not about a point behind the mirror this gives a perfectly verifiable meaning to the statement that the image is only a reflection and at the same time it enables us to regard the heavenly bodies although we can only see and not touch them as more real than an image in a looking-glass we can now begin to interpret the common-sense notion of one body having an effect upon another which we must do if we are really to understand what is meant by the abolition of force suppose you come into a dark room and switch on the electric light the appearance of everything in the room is changed since everything in the room is visible because it reflects the electric light this case is really analogous to that of the image in the mirror the electric light is the centre from which all the changes emanate in this case the effect is explained by what we have already said the more important case is when the effect is a movement suppose you let loose a tiger in the middle of a bank holiday crowd they would all move and the tiger would be the centre of their various movements a person who could see the people but not the tiger would infer that there was something repulsive at that point we say in this case that the tiger has an effect upon the people and we might describe the tiger's action upon them as the nature of a repulsive force we know however that they fly because of something which happens to them not merely because the tiger is where he is they fly because they can see and hear him that is to say because certain waves reach their eyes and ears if these waves could be made to reach them without there being any tiger they would fly just as fast because the neighbourhood would seem to them just as unpleasant let us now apply similar considerations to the sun's gravitation the force exerted by the sun only differs from that exerted by the tiger in being attractive instead of repulsive instead of acting through waves of light or sound the sun acquires its apparent power through the fact that there are modifications of space-time all round the sun 
like the noise of the tiger they are more intense near their source as we travel away they grow less and less to say that the sun causes these modifications of space-time is to add nothing to our knowledge what we know is that the modifications proceed according to a certain rule and that they are grouped symmetrically about the sun as centre the language of cause and effect adds only a number of quite irrelevant imaginings connected with will muscular tension and such matters what we can more or less ascertain is merely the formula according to which space-time is modified by the presence of gravitating matter more correctly we can ascertain what kind of space-time is the presence of gravitating matter when space-time is not accurately euclidean in a certain region but has a non-euclidean character which grows more and more marked as we approach a certain centre and when further the departure from euclid obeys a certain law we describe this state of affairs briefly by saying that there is gravitating matter at the centre but this is only a compendious account of what we know what we know is about the places where the gravitating matter is not not about the place where it is the language of cause and effect of which force is a particular case is thus merely a convenient shorthand for certain purposes it does not represent anything that is genuinely to be found in the physical world and how about matter is matter also no more than a convenient shorthand this question however being a large one demands a separate chapter End of section 13.